Mental instability, emotional deprivation, financial turmoil, unpredictability, instability, insecurity, volatility, negativity, like all the shit that we don't like is exactly what you have to overcome. People say they wanna be successful, but they kinda sort of want it. They wanna be comfortable more than they wanna be successful. And the ones that actually chase success, they think they're chasing success to get to that life of comfort. And success is derived from the complete opposite. Success doesn't come from certainty. Success comes from uncertainty. Success doesn't come from comfort. It comes from discomfort. So you have to have the ability to start becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. Mr. Ali Zamani, thank you so much for being on the show, bro. Yes, sir. Dude, your energy is like just beyond belief. Yeah. I don't know. How, how do you do it? Because like for me, I'm usually the energetic guy in the film, yeah. right? And everyone's like, you talk so much. You always yeah. talk. And then I met you and I'm like, oh, no. That's like. So the key is you have to average one monster every other hour. No, oh, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> every other hour, dude. Okay. I yeah. can't so even do So if you're awake 18 man. hours, that's yeah. nine monsters. That's, that's. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't you think that's a little bad for you? Now, you know what? I actually, to the contrary, maybe only drink Monster two or three times a week at most. Okay, so I'm curious. So my energy comes outside the Monster. Seriously, how do you get this energy? I don't know. I've always had a high level of energy, and um, it, 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 it exudes this passion because I'm really fired up, and I'm enthusiastic, and I'm positive. But uh, I don't know. I just found that it, uh, it takes fire to light fire, and uh, energy is contagious, and it's something I've always had. Mm -hmm. So it's natural to me. It's not forced. It just makes me feel more comfortable being very extroverted and sure. very eccentric. What are you What are you fired up about? Because for me, I always have to attach myself onto something to be able to like. It It depends. Every day it changes, right? I mean, um, my my ultimate why is my family, my my wife, my children, my legacy. But every day you find different things to fire you up, hmm. and uh, that's the important things when you kind of have goals. There's a bit of uh, purpose behind the effort. It's not so meaningless. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gives you a bit of a pep in your step. So I don't know, maybe one day or one week or mo one month, I'm working towards building that, that legacy, that company. Maybe the next day I'm working on, you know, how to upgrade and get a new exotic car. The next week I'm working on, you know, how do I retire my parents or how do I buy them a property? So like every day it changes, but just naturally every morning when I wake up, I'm grateful for two things, the ability to breathe in and the ability to breathe out. And um, it's like if someone was to ask you, what would you rather take if you had a choice today? A million dollars or life? Life. Yeah, of yeah, course. Of course. Yeah, it's not even. I, I sat there for a second. I was like, hey, can I buy a life? Like there, yeah, like there's, there's no debate. You would choose life yeah. over a million dollars. So if you have that same level of energy that you would if you won a million dollars and apply that just to living every day and, and being on this planet, you're going to find reasons to get grateful. Don't get me wrong. I'm permanently dissatisfied. I'm always striving to achieve more. I got big fucking goals. But at the end of the day, every day I'm grateful for what I have. And that naturally exudes my energy and people feel it as well. So you just talked about the whole as if method, act as if <clears throat> method, like yeah. act as if you have a million dollars kind of thing. That so growing up in business, I was really kind of fond of that old adage, fake it until you make it. Yeah. 
And then as I got older, like my late 20s, early 30s, I kind of changed that slogan from fake it until you make it to face it until you make it. So there's elements of like think beyond, think as if, you know, operate as if. But then there's another element of like dealing with what it is that you're actually doing right now and not having this, you know, uh, fucking imagination living in fantasy land of what could be. So there's the element of like, hey, this is where I want to be. This is who I want to become. This is where like my life is headed. But then the majority of the time, you got to stay grounded, live in the now and take that action every single day to kind of work you towards it. And that's what I think is uh, really messed up with social media. It's uh, I call it the great equalizer. And what I mean by that, it empowers both ends of the spectrum because it empowers the morons that don't really have a good message Mm -hmm. and don't have good intentions, but it also empowers people like you and me and many other people that have a strong message that want to convey it. But unfortunately, it's like this fabricated narrative where everybody's a fictional author and they depict this image of themselves and their businesses that they want people to see. And unfortunately, everybody's always showing their highlight reel yeah, yeah. their perfect life yeah and not the behind the scenes it's so like what that does, it's like it, no such thing that exists like that. it's funny you bring that up because two weeks ago i actually met yeah. a influencer right yeah i'm not even gonna say who the person is but i'm not an influencer you know just we're connected with a lot of influencers mm-hmm. and i meet these guys and i look at them and i'm like this person was super depressed yeah like did not seem like this this person did not seem like they were there mm-hmm. they weren't present they just hated life like you could just tell eye bags just really uh blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Open this person's Instagram. Look at me. Yeah, watch me. Yeah. Look at this. I'm living a perfect life. And I'm like, like, wow, this yeah. is like the definition of the reason why. And it's sad because you got these young kids who are on Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, all these things all the time. And well, I think actually Instagram is like the biggest problem. It though. is. Out of everyone because it, it's like it, visual. It, it contributes to the mental health issues that we're having. I've always said comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. And everybody's comparing their behind the scenes to someone's perfectly crafted and edited highlight reel. And it's funny because that's even fake. <clears throat> yeah. Because that millionaire, billionaire you follow who has those Lambos, those cars, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you assume you want, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, he's probably dealing with some crap too. Yeah. Like that's what people forget. It's like, oh, this guy's living this like life. He yeah. must be so happy. Uh, yeah. And if you meet this person, it's the complete opposite because well, we're human. Yeah. The, the internet, like uh, it creates a false perception. Number one, don't let the internet make you feel like you're behind. Don't let it fool you because nobody is posting their failures. That's what's lacking in social media right now because apparently attention is the new currency. 100%. But I think uh, eventually what will prevail will become authenticity. Followers will struggle and build resentment towards the people that they're following because yes. like the, the element- and it's already happening. Yeah. It's already happening. Look, right. this is why Gary Vee's so big. Yeah. Because he just... But the, the problem too is like people think, oh, if I swear and I, I throw out fuck every other sentence, that makes me authentic. And it doesn't. And the reality is you have to be vulnerable and people are scared to show that vulnerability because they're fearing the consequence, the emotional consequence of not being accepted by others. I In think, fact, some of my yeah. most viral videos have been the ones that don't have the banners and don't have the hashtags and don't have the beautifully edited videos, but it's just me literally selfie mode with probably improper lighting and just spitting the truth. I did this one and um, you know everybody talks about entrepreneurship. Sure. And I said, you know, social media depicts this image that being an entrepreneur is eating caviar. And it is, but a very small portion. I would go as far as saying that entrepreneurship is 10% eating shit, or sorry, 90% eating shit, 
and 10% eating caviar, but all we're exposed to is the eating caviar. And then I went on to say, the reality is they should actually change the name from entrepreneurship to entrepreneur shit. Because that's the reality <laughs> of what it takes every day behind the scenes. But we get this false narrative with social media. So I had that problem, bro. Like yeah. I had that huge problem and I, I'm still dealing with it. And it was interesting when I started the podcast, I had my company, everything was fine, but I wasn't really connected with like winners. Yeah. Because right? of the podcast, I've been able to network with a lot of people that are winning in life. And I look at them and I'm like, they got problems. We all got problems. And it's funny because I thought I was clear to that. Like I would watch these Instagram and I and never cared, never followed it. Like if a guy posts yeah. a picture of his Ferrari, his Lambo, yeah. I probably don't follow you. Just because it's like, dude, like just stop. Yeah. Like you'll never see me post that stuff unless it's meant for like actual inspiration. Like check me out. You've been following me for a while. Yeah. Like, wow, I went through so much shit and mm-hmm. I got this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of what I do with my followers. And that's probably like why I relate to a lot of people is because like my failures, I talk about the most. Yeah. Like my shit, like guys today, they sucked. Yeah. Like it was horrible. Yeah. Like I went to work. It was like about to cry. Like yeah. I, I go deep because it's like, yeah. guys, hello. Like it's not yeah. all caviar, as you say. Yeah, yeah. But that's also why it's funny you say that up because that's how Ty Lopez blew up. Yeah. Have you looked into the video about the psychology behind his actual reason to the I've ever, in I've the seen garage? That one, yeah. Yeah. So really part of it was like yeah. how he seemed to be just like everyone else. Yeah. So that's why it blew up. The other challenge too is some people are embracing this aspect of transparency, but then they embellish the truth. Like every other post is, oh man, my grade 10 Spanish teacher told me I'd never amount to shit. Oh, I remember one night I had a gun to my mouth. Oh, I struggled so much growing up. And it's like too many people are embellishing the struggle because they want to show that wide spectrum of where they are versus where they were. Yeah. And that's okay to bring that to life, but it's got to be factual content. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of people on social media. The people I like to follow is, I think what's happening right now is what I call the um, I am me movement, yeah. which means a lot of the big influencers and entrepreneurs and big pages, they depict this image of I am me, you'll never be me, that's why you need to follow me to see what you'll never become. And I think where it should shift to, which huh. some people have done it, is the I am you movement. That's, I am you because I was once you, which means you can become me because me and you are the same. That's why guys like Michael Jordan resonate so well. Can I say, can I yeah. say something on this? I actually think you're right, but at the same time, it's going to shift even more. And it's going to go, I am still like you. Yeah, that's true. I am Good still point. like Good you. Point. It's not, I am. I was you, and yeah. look at me, and you can become me. No, yeah. no, no, I'm still like you. Yeah, I have a Lambo. Yeah, I have a billion dollars, but I still eat shit. Yeah. I still go work out. I still like go through breakdowns. Mm-hmm. I still have family troubles. Yeah. I still feel depressed. Yeah. I still wake up in the morning and say, I can't do it, even though of I've course. already built a... Massive corporation. I've yeah. seen people like that. Yeah. So that's where I feel that the movement's really going to take on. Yeah. Where it's like, I, and I guess that's where it's funny because I was trying to find a like a unique selling point yeah. to my brand. Like what makes me so special? Yeah. And I came to realize like, wait, shit. Me being 21 mm-hmm. and me being me yeah. is the reason why these guys are going to want to follow me. Yeah. It's because, yo, I'm not the end product. Mm-hmm. I haven't even fucking got there yet. Mm-hmm. I'm so far away. It's stupid. <laughs> I look at my gyms yeah. and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. But I show the world that, like I just took a story right now and I said, it's either, when you see me on my story, it's either mm-hmm. I'm grinding at work or I'm in the car driving to a client or doing something yeah. or I'm on a podcast. Yeah. You'll never actually ever see me like out and about. Mm-hmm. It's rare. Maybe once every three weeks I'll, I'll be like out with some friends and yeah. take a quick story like in Fashion Island or something. Yeah. But like that's where I feel like the movement's going to go where it's like, even if I've made it, I'm still like you. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. people are starting to see that. That's right. Yeah. If I can give one piece of advice to anybody uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what's the key to success? What's the one thing I need to do? And it's not that simple. You can't boil it down to, to one principle or one fundamental or one key to success. But if there's one thing that I could tell you, like the one thing that separates people that are successful from people that are not, and that success could be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, maritally, economically, whatever category of your life you're looking at. But what separates people that have that success and that happiness is what I call discipline. And the definition of discipline is doing what you have to do, not what you want to do, even when the initial motivation is gone. So all yeah, I do better than everybody else is I discipline myself to eat shit. I eat more shit than anybody else. I don't want to eat shit, but I have to eat shit. But see, so, no one publicizes that. Yeah. Like, even you're probably, like, not to point fingers here, but even, like, me and you are probably yeah. victims of that. Mm -hmm. Like, when we go through a hard struggle, the last thing we want to do is share it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, shit, people are going to think I'm weak. Especially if you've made it. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're that dude that has a nice Lambo parked in the garage, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, ah, I have like a, it's an ego thing. It's like yeah. I have this like, this like level I need to stay at. What happens though is when you reach certain milestones in life, and listen, I got a long way to go. I want to create a motherfucking dent. I want to create a you're legacy. Still starting, dude. I want to make fu money, okay? And I want to create generational wealth. That's gonna happen. But with where I am, I've reached certain levels and I've reached certain milestones in my life, personally and professionally. And when you do that, it might sound cliche, but it becomes less about achievement and more about contribution. And when you're more concerned about the purpose of giving and contributing, you kind of yes. take uh, you take your ego and you check it at the door, yes. and you're able to be more transparent yes. and share with people the real unfiltered, the real unadulterated you. truth. The, the real, real you. you. Yes. Yeah. I, I relate to you a lot. Yeah. So let's continue to talk about this, but I want to kind of yeah. go back into your, your personal story. Sounds good. So Ali, you are this guy who is just like stupid high on energy, and ever since I met you, yeah. you like you had like it's funny because people tell me this all the time, like you know you you stand out. Mm -hmm. They tell me I get that all the time, and then when I met you, I'm like, oh, dude, this guy stands out even more. He's like the shining room. So tell me about yourself. What what got you into this perspective you're in? Like, you know, you you have like a license plate called Door to Door King. You yeah, have, uh, yeah. you know, a uh, watering uh, company that you, mm -hmm. you you started off with Door to Door Sales. Yeah, I'm starting in sales. I started recently. Yeah, shit's tough, dude. It is. So, <clears throat> what what made you decide that you know what I want to create a dent in this world? Where the yeah. hell did all this become? And it has this energy <coughs> that you have currently been something you've had since you were a kid? I think so. <laughs> um, a lot of people ask me, do you believe in the immigrant edge? And I do 100%. And the reason why is I feel the people that achieve the most amount of success, and what I mean by success is they unlock the majority of their potential, are the ones that have um, experienced a lot of pain. There's an old saying that says rock bottom builds more success than privilege ever has. I was never privileged. And rock bottom can result in any area in of your ways. life. It doesn't have to be financial. Yeah. But you know, pain and pleasure are the twin propellers that run your life. Everything that you do every day is for your motivation to either gain pleasure or avoid pain. As human beings, psychologically, we're wired to be motivated by avoiding pain. We don't go to work to our job or our career based on the fact that we want to increase our standard of living and we want to progress in advance, we simply go to work to not be broke, to be in a position where we can't not afford our bills. 
So understanding that people that have gone through a lot of pain, that resonates with me and my story because um, not only have I gone through adversity, I started my life with adversity. So I'll give you the long story short. <clears throat> I'm born in 83, four years after a revolution in Iran. I was born there. Um, we stayed for a few years and anyone that stayed post-revolution got hit with a decade-long war with Iran and Iraq. So Saddam Hussein was bombing the shit out of us for 10 years straight. 1988, my dad decided war zone's not a good place for my family. So we left as war refugees on a one-way flight to Toronto, Canada, landed there. My dad cut up our passports on the plane, landed in customs. How old are you at this point? Five. You're five. <clears throat> you still yeah. remember this? Vague, very vague, vague, very vague. Yeah. Um, I remember parts of my early childhood, sure. which is probably good. Um, so anyways, we, uh, we landed as refugees. Um, like any immigrant family that doesn't speak the language, doesn't know the culture, we did the easiest thing that you can do, which is going on welfare. Um, the problem is we went on welfare and never really got off of welfare. I learned how to socially immerse into the culture, even though English wasn't my first language. So I struggled at a young age, but I adapted pretty quickly. Um, but not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, growing up on welfare, typical immigrant story, subsidized housing, going through tough times, that really built my, my, my thick skin like the rhino that we talk about at a very young age. I built up a very high tolerance for pain. So anyways, um, I'll speed everything up. Uh, go to school, get my education, go to high school. A lot of people don't know when I hit grade 11, um, I actually started prioritizing a lot of the wrong things in my life. How do I skip class? How do I drink underage? How do I smoke weed? How do I start fights? How do I join a gang? How do I do all these things that I shouldn't do? And I did. And I'm competitive by nature and I'm like an alpha. So I fucking dominated in every single category. And yeah, I, 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 I was the biggest loser out of my group of friends at that time. Because that's what... That That's, was your goal. That was my goal. Yeah, you wanted to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To you, that was winning at that time. I drank the most beers. I always threw the first punch. I was the loudest, most aggressive guy. That was my MO, which at that time didn't serve me well. It did short term, but then I applied those same characteristic traits to business, and that's really helped me grow to where I am now. So I ended up failing grade 11. So I got severe ADHD, got diagnosed at a young age, get to grade 11. I failed grade 11. Um, my mom sat me down, had a conversation like we didn't leave our, you know, our, our homeland to come here for you not to make something of yourself. So sure. anyways, I decided to, uh, to clamp down, uh, did summer school, night school, got my grade 11 credits, went into grade 12 and I said, all right, one fucking year, just one year. I'm going to study and see what I can do. So I studied, ended up getting a 94% average, got a full scholarship to university. So I went from failing grade 11 to getting a scholarship in grade 12. My undergrad was in accounting and I was getting geared up to apply for law school to become a corporate lawyer. So I had this 12 year fucking trajectory of getting a half a million dollars in debt to come out at the age of 32, 33 to be a professional lawyer, maybe earning a modest six figure income. So anyways, I had the summer off before I started university, had a mutual friend that brought me into the business. And um, all of that changed when I started a summer job going door to door on commission with a startup. And I had no idea what would become of this company. So I just went in. Um, I didn't have an education, but I did have a PhD. I was poor, hungry, and driven, and I was motivated. So I worked my ass off. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Just right there and then. 
I'm at a, I'm at that right there, that position. That's where PhD? I'm at. PhD? No, 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 no. I don't have PhD, bro. I'm no, the poor hunger and driven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that, that. Yeah, yeah. No, but like maybe um, minus the poor. <laughs> you're an OC. I don't think you're poor. Yeah, no. Uh, thankfully, we're, we're we're living life. It's funny because I was just telling you how yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. actually probably the worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah. Because it's like you're 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 comfortable. Um, Hungry driven, yes, but fear. Fear is big. Yeah. And again, I keep it real with everyone that follows me. So right now I'm in a position where I just started selling stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely dipped from a company that I've built for uh, the past two years, left it all to chase my dreams, literally last week, right? I have a goal for 34 days. Me and this guy, gonna guy I mean behind the scenes, my <laughs> my partner, we're going to go all in and for the next 34 days, just sell, 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 mm-hmm. sell, 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 sell to be able to sustain something, right? <clears throat> and it's OC. So when yeah. I say sustain something, we have to really grow. <coughs> Here's the thing. Door to door. You started door to door. I'm not doing door to door. It's cold mm-hmm. calling, right? I know this is going to sound very cliche. I don't want to ask the whole same question of how did you get started? I want to mm-hmm. I I ask you deep, how did you feel when it started? How did you battle through that first initial rejection? Mm-hmm. Uh, what it took you to really turn into this rhino mindset you have today? Because yeah. I need it. I want it. And I'm sure a lot yeah. of people that are watching are in the same position I'm in too. I think a couple of things when it comes to fear, you brought up fear. For me, the acronyms of fear stand for false evidence appearing real. 95% of the shit that we worry about doesn't actually fucking happen. And if it does, you really can't control it to that extent. We take this God-given gift like our imagination and we worry. We create the worst possible scenario. And everybody has built-in fears, right? Fear of rejection, fear of the unknown, fear of consequence. Um, everybody has the fear of failure. What if things don't work out and adversely the fear of success? What if they do and I can't handle it? And a lot of people don't have the ability to self-actualize, to improve their self-image of who they are. Because a lot of times as you're working towards who you want to be, in order to be in a place in which you've never been, you need to think and act in a way which you've never done. Because it's the same level of thinking that got you to where you are. So when I started, you know, I just knew a couple of things. Just don't overthink and don't assume. Just kind of go with the flow of don't things. Don't give it a meaning. Pardon me? Don't don't give it a meaning. Yeah, because I would give it a meaning, right? And a lot of people gave me opinions. My my parents, my 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 friends, <sighs> yeah. people closest to me. And my my original mentor, when I met him, he was 32, decamillionaire, had the exotic cars, had a boat, had a plane, everything. And I was 19. And he said, Ali. He says, here's the golden rule of success. The number one golden rule. You must only take advice from other people that are more successful than you are. And that can apply in any category. He's like, hey, you want to make a six-figure income? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He says, here's my advice to you. Don't take advice from broke people. Because the people that are the most broke generally have the most amount of opinions because the problem in life is we take advice from other people that are more messed up than we are. If I want to get into shape physically and I'm going to hire a personal trainer, I'm going to hire somebody with the physique that I want to emulate, somebody that I want to become. I'm going to go and hire somebody that looks like Mike O'Hearn, not somebody that looks like Chris Farley showing up with cheeseburgers and trying to teach me how to, how to pump some weights. That's how life is. So it was very hard. I had to cast out the opinions of everybody that I loved and really kind of become focused on this core group around me. It was tough, man. I went through a lot of rejection. Everyone is scared of rejection, especially going door to door. Direct sales and marketing is probably the hardest form of sales right that you. you can ever do. Yeah, They're right in front of you. 
Yeah, an average day, I would knock on 100 doors. On a good day, I might close maybe eight to 10 sales. So on my best day, I would only have a 10% closing rate. That means on average, 90% or more of my day was filled with rejection, objections, people telling me they don't want it, it's not good enough. And it's hard not to like absorb that mentally, and take that personally. You mentally, yesterday, yeah. yesterday was our first rodeo show, literally. Yeah. It's so crazy how we're having this podcast right now. It's like, uh, I believe big time. So for me, I believe, you know, I believe God exists, right? Yeah. And I, I rely on him a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Because if there's everything goes to failure, I say, God, you know what I want? You know, the way I want to live, please just, just get me there. I'm yeah. working my ass towards it. Yesterday we sat and we were selling, we, were, we weren't even cold calling. We were DMing people, right? Because we were testing our different methods. DMing people for six hours straight. Yeah. Right. After me and this guy, we look at each other and we're like mentally drained. I'm like, I didn't even talk to a single soul. Yeah. But I'm mentally like, I want to go to sleep, man. Like it was insane. So I can only imagine door to door driving door to door. Like, so not only would I not drive, I would get drunk. I would get dropped off. I thought you were about to say drunk. <laughs> Sorry, that too. Eventually. I would get dropped off yeah. on a random street in a random city, meeting random people I've never met for 8, 10, 12 hours. Um, my work hours when I started, it was 8 to faint because that's how many hours I'd work a day. I would do seven-day work weeks. And you want to talk about building a Tolerance. relentless, unwavering, almost sickening work ethic? That's where I learned it. And, you know, Jamie Foxx, said it best. He says one year of door-to-door sales is equivalent to a four-year degree in communications because you learn about the psychology of interacting with other people. You learn about the power of persuasion and you find out how to close people and more importantly, how to communicate. So that's where I built up my high tolerance over the years. And um, Did you learn over failure and mistakes or did you have somebody help you? I had mentors, but growing up, a lot of my mentors didn't have the right intentions for me. Ah. They were the kind of guys that were, you know, using me, leveraging me, not really teaching me a whole lot. So a lot of what I developed over the years, and mentors are great because mentors will either teach you the things to do or the things to avoid. They inadvertently taught me the things to avoid. But what I learned over the years of going door to door is I learned how to develop um, mental aptitude, mental wherewithal, and mental fortitude. Because the skill set was important, but it's a learned skill. I learned the mindset for success all those years knocking on doors. And you know, you brought up failure a couple of times. One thing I'm pretty famous for saying is I find that there's a clear difference between failing and failure. So failing, I-N-G, is a verb, which means it's an action item. It's part of the process. It's part of the journey. I'm not a professional at too many things, but I am definitely a professional at failing. I have failed so many times in so many ways repeatedly and consistently over my career and over the course of my life. And I've accepted that. But failure, U-R-E, is a noun, which means it's a destination. It's the end result. That's if you quit. That's if you quit. So failure is not falling or failing. Failure is falling or failing and refusing to, to get back up. So at the end of the day, as long as you fall down seven times and you stand up eight, you will never be considered a failure. I've never been, nor will I ever be a fucking failure. I will continue to fail, I'll never be a failure. And Thomas, Thomas Watson Jr., founder of IBM, one of the quotes that sticks with me, he says the key to becoming successful 
at a much more accelerated pace is you must double the rate at which you fail. The quicker you fail, fail forward, fail fast. Literally, you can't think of it. The quicker you become successful. You yeah. give yourself a little time and you're instantly creating excuses on why not to. So question, do you still have that uh, heart race right now when you want to sell something? Always. I it still, still get the butterfly. Yeah, always. Never goes away. So what about the fear of like just just failing? Or not failing, but like you were telling me right now, right off camera, how the other day you called up somebody for an event, yeah, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that that's a pretty ballsy move. Always. So anytime before I take like massive action and I make big decisions, I get the butterfly feeling in my stomach. My heart races. You call it butterfly. Yeah. It, it's not that positive of a feeling. It's not, no. But you've turned it into this like no matter how many times I've had a positive outcome, anytime I start something, whether it's a decision or a venture, whether I'm making a phone call or an email or a partnership, there's an element of me that has fears. I have doubts. I have insecurities. I'm fucking human. Everybody has these feelings that come and go. All I've learned how to do is over the years, contain it and discipline myself to still act in spite of fear, discomfort, and worry. It still happens, but I just have the ability to overcome it. I think that's the problem with most society that are starting because I had that issue where yeah. I believed that the fear was going to disappear. Never does. I thought it would. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there and learn and figure things out. And, and I thought like it was going to disappear. And I'm at a point where I've probably, <laughs> to be honest, I've probably <coughs> read every book. Yeah. I heard every freaking YouTube video, watched every damn seminar, mm -hmm. gone through every single freaking like personal development there is out there. And yeah. yes, it's helped. It's helped yeah. tremendously. I mean, yeah. uh, to me, I think at such an engage coming in from a drug mm -hmm. overdose a couple of years ago, like I've flipped. But mm -hmm. problem with me, and I feel like, again, I resonate because I feel like, you know, if to me, the way I look at it is if you're going through the problem, there's millions out there mm -hmm. going through the same issue too. Yeah. And well, it's, what happens is people have this false perception that when you make money and you become successful, that what's going to happen is you're no longer going to have the peaks and valleys. And that's never going to stop. Hmm. You're always going to have highs. You're always going to have lows in every area of your life, especially emotionally. Nobody is one mood all the time. Sure, I'm fired up right now and the majority of the time, but feelings are fickle. They come and they go. So nobody is one mood all the time. And you have to embrace that and come to terms with it. And what I learned is, I'm never going to be able to smooth out the peaks and valleys, but what you learn over time as you become more seasoned and as you develop this unstoppable mindset is when you hit the highs, you try to extend it as long as you can so your highs are higher and they last longer and then the lows, you try to shorten that as much as possible. So if I get into a sales slump, as an example, I'm not in a slump for three weeks. I'm in a slump for three days. I'm not in a slump for three days. I'm in a slump for three hours. Three hours yeah. So all you do is you shorten the, 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 the valleys and you heighten the peaks. But you're still going to have that proverbial kind of up and down that's going to constantly shorten happen in the life. Heighten the peaks. That's a very, yeah. uh, that's a cool way of looking at it. Plus your confidence kind of goes higher. Yeah. Right. After a lot of success rate, you're like, yeah. I can actually do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, cool. This has been really, this is like intense. Yeah. I like this. Uh, okay. So right now you are now focused on building your brand. You're doing a lot of crazy things with that. Talk to us about your future goals. I feel like yeah. I want to get into that and then we'll talk a little bit more about this. <coughs> Um, so let me give you the, um, the, the, the in-between phase before I get into that. So sure. I did door-to-door, -door, did really well, became a regional manager, opened up my first office at the age of 22, opened up multiple offices, got to 26, 
um, became a millionaire at 25, managed multiple offices, and um, I actually decided to demote myself. So in door-to-door, being a sales rep is probably the lowest position that you can have, and the best position is managing a sales office. So I had achieved the door-to-door dream and opened up my own office, making a half a million dollars a year at the age of 25, making a million dollars, lifetime in commissions, and I decided that I wasn't prepared for it mentally. I felt like I had a lot more maturing to do, so I actually demoted myself, first time ever in the history of the company, from a regional back to a sales rep, because I've always learned you can't connect the dots moving forward. You can only connect them moving backwards. And that's why they say hindsight is 2020. And that's why I'm an avid believer of you never lose, you either win or learn. I decided to learn, went back again, built my way back up from door knocker. And this is in the East Coast, right? This is in Canada, minus 40, snow up to your fucking knees, going back door to door, it bruises your ego. I did it, did it really well. Not only got back to a regional position, ended up becoming a national. Uh, I managed 14 sales offices, two countries, uh, over a dozen states and provinces, and managed about 500 sales reps. We were generating nine figures of revenue annually. And during the course of my career, I sold over $1 billion with me and my organizations through door to door. Then eventually what happened is about two and a half years ago, as I reached kind of the peak of my career, um, both personally and professionally, you know, the, the company ended up going public. They decided to kind of go down a different route. Um, I'll spare you the story, but we uh, parted ways. Um, then at that point, you can imagine 13 years, I had no education. This company was all that I knew. I had earned eight figures in commissions, generated 10 figures in top line revenue, and this is all I knew. And I got fired after 13 years with one career. And when you're 21 or 22, maybe you don't have a family, you can afford to eat shit. You can afford to couch surf. You can afford to uh, eat out of a can of beans and move into a dorm room. When you're 32, and at that time, I was still married, I had three kids, now I have four. When you're a father, a husband, three kids, and you have this like cost and standard and expectation of living, because when I got fired, I was living in this house, I bought this house. So you can imagine, you know what's harder than making millions of dollars? Losing it all and having to do it again. So at that point, I had never raised capital. I didn't know what to do. So I decided, uh, which is indicative of my aggressive, um, bold nature, is I decided to put in seven-figure seed capital, self-funded my own ventures, started it from the ground up. My first company, American Smart Home, were headquartered in Newport Beach. We grew aggressively into five states. Then by accident, fell into finance, started a business called Smart Home Pro, where we connect contractors and lenders. So contractors can offer their customers financing options. We built that out of my garage that you just saw into 14 states. Last year, 2018 was our second year, but our first full year and both businesses cracked eight figures, which may pale in comparison to what I did before, but that was under the regime of working for a billion dollar company. Now within my first full year, I've managed to build two eight-figure companies on my own, which I own 100% equity of, having never been an entrepreneur before. So a lot of people are self-proclaimed entrepreneurs. They update their bio, entrepreneur, CEO, visionary. I only considered myself an entrepreneur fucking two and a half years ago, because that's when I actually ventured out and built my own entities. Um, Where I am now, uh, about eight months ago, 
I got frustrated slash motivated. I got frustrated because I saw dudes that were half my age, half my credibility, half the talent, and they had more online presence than me. They had more social capital than me. And I felt like they were giving a wrong image, a wrong perception to aspiring entrepreneurs. Where I got motivated is I changed my perspective on social media because I avoided it. I came eight years late to Facebook. I only opened up my Instagram two years ago and I had 300 followers, family and friends. <clears throat> I started viewing it as this incubator, this, this catalyst, because ultimately my goal for the last 15 years has been to get into public speaking. I didn't know when, where, how, what. All I knew was the fucking why. And I knew at some point I'm gonna transition and why impact and influence and inspire 500 when I can do it to 500,000 or 500 million. So at some point I knew I was gonna make that transition. And then I kind of like that light bulb moment went off where I'm like, fuck, social media is literally this, this public, global, worldwide <laughs> platform and That's, I don't like uh, it. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't like it because social media is fake as fuck. Sure. These, these fabricated relationships and But you can change it. I change. And that's what I did. You can change it. Like I, I I'm yeah. a big believer in the following. You don't like something? Either go physically change it. Yeah. Or you verbally change it. Yeah. Or in your mind at least, you create a difference for it, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where I believe me and you yeah. can be players in this new age of social media. Yeah. And I wanted to participate, so <clears throat> I said, you know what, Ali, check your ego and your pride at the door. And I said, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do social media, I'm not doing it to play around. I'm gonna treat it like a venture. So I started studying the insight section of Instagram, which I didn't even know existed, because I'm a firm believer that you cannot grow what you cannot measure. So I wanted to study my stats, my insights, my impressions. I studied the algorithms, hashtag sequences. Um, I Googled everything. Literally Googles at your fingertips. It's like the most common DM I get other than will you be my mentor is like, what, what book do you recommend? And I'm like, fucking go on Google, man. <laughs> like Google is literally at your fingertips and you can search anything and everything. So I searched how to build my profile. In addition, I started stalking other profiles. Like what does Andy Frazella do? Gary V, Ed Milet. Not because I wanted to become like them, I wanted to find the best strategies and apply them. So everything was self-taught, I learned it on my own. I'm going into month eight now and I went from 300 followers and now I'm sitting at 70,000. I've built that organically. I've had agencies and other people hit me up in the early stages and I decided to invest that sheer sweat equity. And I look at my screen time, I spend an average of eight to 12 hours a week. And I've been doing this shit for free. I haven't monetized it. Because I said, if I can build it up to a reputable number, first of all, I need to release content. Why? To see if the market's gonna respond. Do people actually give a shit about what I have to say? And what I realized is this, because I haven't monetized it, I can be myself where I don't have to care about the opinions of other people, where I can be real, raw, authentic, unfiltered, and unadulterated. So that's what I did. In fact, a lot of my content is the opposite of what you see traditionally with entrepreneurs. They they create this peachy content, sunshine and rainbows. Hey, I'm an entrepreneur, you can do it too. I'm kind of like, hey, 95% of you motherfuckers probably don't have the grit and don't have what it takes. You may want to be successful, but you're not committed to success. And that negative connotation, um, which is like that defense wall, actually 
attracts more people and it doesn't waste my time either because what I'm doing right now is I'm building up my audience. So as I write the book and I create a VT program and I continue to do speaking and podcasts and interviews, eventually when it does monetize, I have the right audience that's following me that understands who I am. So that's where I am now. Where does this lead to is the big question. I don't know. Right now I got four businesses. I got a personal brand. I got four kids. I'm married. Um, I have a lot that's going on. I have employees. Um, I have sales reps. I have executives. I have a commitment to these tangible businesses that I've built, but I know that over the course of the next 48 to 60 months specifically and aggressively the next 12 to 18, that not I want, not I need, I will grow my brand. And a lot of people are looking at me and they're like, oh my God, Ali's growing so quickly, but they don't realize I spent eight months building my page and I spent 15 years prior to that to get to where I am now. So immediately I got into speaking and I'm getting hired now for between five to $20,000 for anywhere between one hour to one day. And everyone's like, how can you charge $20,000 to speak for a few hours? I'm like, I'm not charging 20,000 for four hours. I'm charging 20,000 for 15 fucking years that's being condensed into four hours for you. So I went aggressive on the speaking route. So in eight weeks, I've already secured nine speaking events. Five of them have been paid. Four of them have been free for exposure. But I've been on stage. I've spoken with uh, Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Donovan McNabb, retired Eagles quarterback. I went to Social X, M3, Netcon, Progression Conference. And everyone asks me, how are you doing this? I'm literally a fucking cold call kamikaze. I go in everybody's DMs and I engage in meaningful dialogue. I understand that I don't want to ask for anything. I contribute value. So if there's a value bank, I'm all about deposits and I never do any withdrawals. And I understood that I'm competitive by nature, but in order for me to grow in this world and this landscape, which I'm unfamiliar with, the only way I'm gonna scale is not necessarily through competition right now, it's through collaboration. So I'm becoming more collaborative versus competitive. Once I get my footing in 12 or 18 months and I'm where I need to be, then I'll fucking crush everybody like the cockroaches they are, respectfully. But right now with where I'm at, I'm learning. So I can't afford to have an ego. I just gotta shut up. Oh, you're 21, okay, you're younger than me. What can I learn from you? Okay, you've done this, you've done that because everybody brings value. So I'm just connecting, collaborating, learning, and then applying what I learned. And I'm learning from everybody. You're verified, you're not verified, I don't care. You have 1 million followers, 100,000 followers, or 1,000, you can bring value. So I'm at the stage now where I've completely opened up my mind, where now I'm just like absorbing. And all I'm doing is three things. Listen, learn, apply. Listen, learn, apply. Because all the motivational books, certain elements apply, but this is a world which I'm unfamiliar with, social media. And people think I'm crushing it, but the only reason I'm crushing it is I'm contributing to building my brand to the extent of having another full-time job, which is tough to do. So that's the only reason why I'm doing it is I'm contributing the hours and it's like laser focused and it's, it's very intense. I'm not sitting there fucking around looking at people's pages. In fact, I try to avoid that and I just try to create my own content. So that's where I'm at. Eventually, I don't know, maybe I'll create my own events. Maybe I'll continue writing books. Maybe I'll, you know, continue being a social media entrepreneur. I, I don't know where it's gonna lead. All I know is that I have a voice 
and it needs to be heard. Not because of fame or fortune. I just feel like I have the ability, I have the credibility, and I have the relatability. So as time goes on, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, you know, I'd like to get to a point of where maybe a Gary Vee or a Andy uh, Frizzell or Ed Milet is. It'd be great to kind of get to that level. If I get there, great. If I don't, whatever. But at this point, all I know is I don't want to have any regrets. And I would regret not having made this decision to explore this arena and really share my voice. So that's the main reason why I'm doing it is to minimize the regret later on in the road. Because if I try and I fail, because the, the pain of not knowing is a deeper pain than having tried and having failed. So that was the basis and the foundational infrastructure of how I make some of my biggest decisions. Ali, you're making millions of dollars a year right now. If you get fucking fired, how are you gonna start your own company? And I decided that the pain of not knowing whether or not I can actually become an entrepreneur, whether or not I can actually build my own billion dollar company was a deeper pain than having tried and failed and fallen my ass. So I made that decision, worked out well now, but I went through a lot of rocky roads to kind of get to where I am right now. Um, and I'll end off on this. A lot of people don't know, but 2017, 2018, I know social media shows the highlight reel and everybody thinks I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up and I'm enthusiastic and I'm always fired right the fuck up, which I am, but, 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 what I went through the past two years, putting in seven-figure seed capital, not drawing a salary. I was two weeks away from bankruptcy personally. I got a state and federal lien put on my mansion right here, and I cleared up my kid's college fund, my savings fund, and I got to 99% debt ratio. I completely fucked up my financial life very bad. And I was okay with it when it happened because the same way like when the rhino charges, to them death is negligible, to me, death was negligible. I was willing to die for my decision. What a lot of people don't know is they ask me like, how were you so calm when your life is falling apart? You know, just a year or two ago at 33, 34. And to me, I already anticipated. I already know or I already knew what the worst case scenario would be. And because of the fact that I came to terms with the worst case scenario before I started the venture, I actually sat down when I was doing my goal setting and laying out my vision. And normally people do a business plan and they outline where they wanna be. Part of my business plan was getting right negative. Are you willing to accept going bankrupt? Are you willing to get liens put on your home? Are you willing to go broke? Are you willing to do this? And every single one, it was hard. It took me many, many days to come to terms with it, but I accepted it. So the moment when it happened, I was no longer emotional, I wasn't irrational, I was logical, I was grounded and rooted in logic, and I'm like, okay, Ali, you already knew this would happen. You already accepted it would happen. How do you now overcome it? And I overcame liens and bankruptcy, and not only overcame it and survived, I thrived, and I built multiple eight-figure companies, and now I'm out of the red, back in the green, and I'm fucking making up for lost time. And now I've built my own companies that I own on my own terms, and I'm creating a legacy for my family, both in terms of who I am and what I've done, but also have created that, or starting to create that generational wealth. So I went through a lot of shit, and this is at 33, not at 21, not at 10, not at 19, but I went through it recently. So I've gone from millionaire, or sorry, broke, to millionaire, back to broke, 
back to millionaire. I hope I don't go back to broke again. Might happen again. I don't know. That's how I am, but I'm very aggressive with decisions that I make. So anyone that's watching this right now needs to understand that anytime you want to grow beyond your means, you got to make big decisions. You got to be bold. You got to be audacious. You got to take risks in which you've never taken before. And the most important part is it's easy to make a decision. It's easy to pull the trigger. The hardest part is the follow through because as an entrepreneur, we get paid for one thing and one thing only, and that is done. We get paid for done. That's it. We don't get paid for ideas. We don't get paid for fucking logos. We don't get paid for sponsored ads. We don't get paid for marketing. We get paid for revenue. We get paid for done. So all throughout that two years, I've only been in the green maybe six months, but I was in the red for 21 months and my future was uncertain because I committed financial suicide, but I stayed the fucking track. I stayed on the course and I said, motherfucker, this is what you wanted. You're not, you're not going to waver just like the rhino. You're going to charge forward and you're going to make it happen. I didn't know how, but I knew why. And that why was strong enough. And eventually I made it happen. Oh my God. Yo, if that wasn't the craziest, like 10 minutes I've ever experienced in the entire time of us doing this podcast, I don't know what is that was, that's insane. I thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I'm sure it was like any, I, I, I don't even know how to like, I, I can't yeah. tell you, I know what you went through. Yeah. I just understand. And I can see it from your eyes that yeah. your hunger is, in, it's just, it's just yeah. mad beyond anything else. You want, you, if, if you want to be successful, this is what you need to be prepared for. Mental instability, emotional deprivation, financial turmoil, unpredictability, instability, insecurity, volatility, negativity, like all the shit that we don't like is exactly what you have to overcome. People say they want to be successful, but they kind of sort of want it. They want to be comfortable more than they want to be successful. And the ones that actually chase success, they think they're chasing success to get to that life of comfort. And success is derived from the complete opposite. Success doesn't come from certainty. Success comes from uncertainty. Success doesn't come from comfort. It comes from discomfort. So you have to have the ability to start becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. Because I want to get to a stage in which I've never been. I have to change the way in which I think. And that's what I did. And every, and here's the fortunate or unfortunate part. Every couple of years, I get motivated to level up. Every time I start something new and I accomplish it, I get bored and I move on. <laughs> I built a couple of eight-figure companies. I can relate to you so much. Uh, yeah. Not at that level just yet, but uh, in regards to getting bored, I start something and I'm like, All right, what can we do more? Let's do more. Let's do more. Yeah. It's just naturally. You know, I, I want to end this off on this. Uh, I want to end the podcast on this uh, t term because I actually think that some people naturally have this sort of like this, this uneasiness to want to do something always. Now, I'm not saying that other people aren't able to build companies. Not at all. Anybody can do it. But what I'm saying is, I have a very natural tendency of like killing something, doing great in it, and saying, okay, I'm bored now, I wanna do it again. Yeah. I wanna do it again, I wanna do it again, I wanna do it again, I can't like, and I feel like that's the ADHD in you. Mm -hmm. and it's just like, all right, nope, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next, you're always tackling it on, and here's something I wanna make clear for everybody that's watching, because I feel like a lot of people don't do this. They look at someone like you mm -hmm. and they're like, oh my God, he's like 
so far off where I am, how the heck can I do that? And I want to make clear for everybody that's watching is that you don't have to build an eight-figure eight company. You don't have to build a 10-figure company. You don't have to do that. Like, choose what you want and take that rhino mindset that he's talking about yeah. and attack it firsthand. Because a lot of people confuse what you're saying right yeah. now with like, oh, what if I can't do it? That means I might as well just not do anything. Yeah. No, if it's cool with you to be making six figures and live a life and that's happiness for you, heck, go for it. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you'd agree with me on this. If it's seven, if it's eight, if it's nine, if it's 10, if it's fucking 20, like whatever it is, get yeah. down with it. But make sure that when you commit to something, even if it's not financial, whether it's becoming great in sports, whether it's becoming super fit, when you commit to something, have that rhino mentality that you're talking yeah. about and go all in. Here's what I would say on that, and I'll let you wrap up, is um, don't tie your goals to anything monetary specifically, because if all you're doing your entire career and your entire life is chasing money, well, money is a number and numbers are infinite. So it's never going to be enough. Become detached with the outcome and start falling in love with the process. I am in love with the process of fucking stretching myself. I'm in love with the process of unlocking and expanding and exploiting my full potential. Mm -hmm. Zig Ziglar says the best. 95% of people go to their grave with their music still in them. You need to understand and define what that music is and start bringing it out and stop being worried about what other people think. One of my favorite quotes is Winston Churchill. He says, in my 20s, I used to be concerned with other people's opinions. In my 40s, I stopped giving a fuck about other people's opinions of me. In my 60s, I learned that nobody was thinking about me in the first place. And you gotta get to a level of maturity where you stop making decisions based on other people. And I'm gonna end off with this, the, the, the rhino mindset. What it, what it is, is, you know, I, um, I have this term that I've coined the, the rhinopreneur. And essentially, it's a combination of two words, rhinoceros and the buzzword entrepreneur. And listen, everybody wants to become an entrepreneur. During my time, becoming an entrepreneur was never fucking glamorous. No, it was like, oh, a business owner. No, nobody ever wants to become a business yeah, yeah, owner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it was like the weird, like, but, this guy's crazy. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> thanks to uh, super entrepreneurs like uh, Bezos, Musk, Branson, these guys have made it popular. And with the rise of the Instapreneur, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur now, running multiple businesses. And <laughs> it, I, I don't like any of that. Check me out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So point being is, you know, um, the rhinopreneur, it takes in the element of a rhino. So when people think of rhinos, they think of their thick skin or their large horns. You know, these uh, 6,000 pound creatures that are larger than life. But what a lot of people aren't aware of is they have a lot of key core qualities that we don't know. So it's said that the rhino has an unbelievable ability to focus and uh, lock into a target. And apparently when they're laser focused on a target and they charge forward, that the only way to stop a rhino is only one thing, to essentially take away its life. So rhinos have been, um, you know, uh, celebrated for their ability to overcome adversity like no other animal. So if you treat decisions in your business and in your life with the same level of intensity that death is negligible to the extent that I am willing to die for my decision, 
not literally, but figuratively, then you can't be stopped. And that's what my book is going to be about that's going to be dropped next month is these key qualities, how to be laser focused, how to charge forward, how to be audacious, how to expect torpedoes. My favorite chapter is the last one, how to become unfuck withable. And is it, I love that. Yeah, I love that word too. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to trademark it. And unfuck withable, what it means is it's an attitude. It's a mentality. It's a decision. Um, it's when you're truly at peace with yourself and nothing that anyone says or does can actually affect you and you're not concerned with the opinions of others because opinion is the lowest form of knowledge yeah empathy is the highest form of knowledge because it requires us to suspend our egos and live in somebody else's world so it might sound harsh but you need to become unfuck withable where you are not phased by other people and you make decisions in your life based on what you want to do based on your perception your goals i'm not there completely yet but I'm priding myself on working towards becoming fully unfuckwithable. And if you can do that, you're going to be at a different mental state in your life where you start making decisions for you and not other people. So that's what the rhino mindset is. It's how to develop an unstoppable mindset, how to always charge forward, how to make decisions for yourself and not be phased by other people or other things. And if you can do that, it's hard probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But if you can develop that rhino mindset, you're going to be able to charge forward past any obstacles or challenges in your life. So I pride myself on having been, being, and continuing to be a rhino in life and in business. It's interesting. Okay, let me, uh, you said that you're not there yet. Yeah. Uh, what's there for you? I don't think I'll ever be there. I was just about to say that because like, yeah. I, I, if you don't mind me providing a little insight, yeah. like, I genuinely don't think the mentality you have, you'll ever actually get to that zone. Because when you do get there, you'll get bored. You'll get yeah. bored. And it's interesting because I feel like that's also in the whole ideology of being a rhino, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm charging at this. Even when I finish it, I'll do it again. Yeah. And again. And again. And again. And I, again. I, I don't <laughs> think the charging I don't think the charging ever stops. It's kinda like a marathon. Yeah. Not a sprint. Well, but at the end of the day, Life is a collection of moments that have already passed. Certain moments you block out, you ignore, you phase out. Certain memories you keep, whether positive or negative. And we give our emotions access to our memories and they make us feel good or bad. Yes. And then it's also a collection of memories or moments rather that we are anticipating. So life is a combination of memories and moments that haven't happened yet. So maybe for my company, I'm trying to build a billion dollar brand and that moment for me is that day, whenever it is, that I'm in the New York Stock Exchange and I'm ringing that bell. Might be eight years away, might be 18 years away, but I'm working towards that moment. And then once you get to that moment, because you've visualized it so hard over the years, it doesn't feel as strange to you. It almost feels like it's natural because you've already anticipated it's gonna happen. And then once it happens, you celebrate for a solid 15 seconds and then you move on to the next moment that you anticipate. <laughs> That's how life is. Yes. I'm like, oh my God, I want this family life. I want this big backyard with my wife and a lot of kids. And I work towards that moment and I have it now. Next moment I'm working towards with the family is maybe the moment where they graduate school or the moment where I walk down one of my daughters down the aisle or maybe the moment where it's Christmas and I'm old as fuck, 60 years old, and I got four kids and 12 grandkids and everybody's coming over to the house and we're opening up presents, that's another moment I chase. Then I reach that moment, then I go towards another moment. So 
I don't think I'm ever going to be fully satisfied with a single moment. I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to achieve it and then chase another moment. So every time I reach something, I'm always going to reach something further More. once I get there. Yes. Yeah. I agree. It's just you. So that's why I go back to everybody that's watching. You guys take what he's saying. And I'm so big on this now. And I'm purposely publicizing this because I've seen kids, people my age, young adults coming into this professional world and assuming they have to be a certain type of person mm -hmm. to be able to accomplish it. You, 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 all three, whoever's watching from whatever angle, you're perfect the way you are. Yeah. You know? And so... Let me throw in one comment there for everybody watching. Last piece of advice. Any advice I can give you, the best piece of advice, be yourself. You will never be the best copycat there is out there. And don't try to be somebody else because everybody's already taken. Just be yourself. I'm proof that you can be yourself. And by the way, I don't believe that money changes people. I believe that money amplifies their character. If you're a piece of shit without money, you're going to be a bigger piece of shit with money. If you're kind and genuine without money, you'll be the same way. I've grown up in a corporate world where colorful language, colorful personalities are not something that flies 10 or 15 years ago, but I made it. I can be myself. I can be abrupt. I can be abrasive. I can be kind. I can be genuine. I can just be fucking alley. So if there's anything that you want to do or you want to work towards, work towards being yourself. Embrace who you are. Stop judging yourself based on your height, your weight, your gender, your ethnicity, your sexual preference, your command of the English language, your skin color, your education, your experience. Forget about all that. Just be yourself, embrace yourself, love yourself. And if you love yourself, eventually other people will start we'll love loving you. you as well. Yes, sir. And I'm going to end it there. So I appreciate you so much, my man. Thank you. You're awesome. Swivel around. My brother. Yeah, let's do it. One, two. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Let me, let me you guys ready? Okay, ready? Ready for this? We're going to. All right. Then you got to do a woo when we uh, okay, one okay, full circle. Okay. Ready? Okay. One, two, two go. Three. Woo! Oh, wait, wait. Full circle? Woo! Oh, doing that. Oh, I fell. <laughs> <laughs> what a fail. Thank you so much. <laughs>